just learned the best spell of all. What's that? Sleep. Hi, welcome to Biochemical Bromance. This is the first episode of our podcast. I'm Matt Anthony. I'm Joey Harrison. And I'm Eric Arneson. We, uh, we've been talking about doing this podcast for a while, but it's hard for us to get together. I live in Washington State, and Joey and Eric live in uh, the Portland area. I'm a transplant from Oklahoma, moved up here last year. and uh, So I, I did the same thing. Um, oh, I guess, what was it, like six months before, mm-hmm. give or take? Six months before Matt moved up, I, I also fled, uh, fled Oklahoma for the Pacific Northwest. And uh, Eric was already here, so he welcomed us with open arms. Right? I mean, if that's the introduction we're going to give, then I actually have the most boring backstory because I didn't enter or leave the state of Oregon. So I'm the most boring of the three of us. I, I didn't. I've been to Oklahoma before. It's super flat. And there's lots of churches, lots <laughs> of churches and gas stations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's a fun place. <clears throat> but in this, in this, good people. I don't think that this podcast is actually going to be about Oklahoma, is it? No. I'm not sure we really fully know everything it's going to be about. We do know that we are Masons. Yes. We like beer. We do. We like esotericism. That's also true. The occult. Yes. Wait, hold on a second. So maybe we should back up and maybe part of your intro should be like, my name is Matt Anthony. I used to run the coolest brewery in Oklahoma until it was stolen away from me by oh. corporate overlords. Oh, no. Everything everything worked out for a reason. And I'm here today and I'm grateful to be here. Yeah, but I, I mean, when he says that, you know, it sounds super humble, but we are currently uh, deep in the uh, Olympic Peninsula at Matt's... Um, palatial forest castle <laughs> and if you hear like the sound of dogs running around in the background it's his like giant magical wolf and his tiny yappy terrier that wants to kill me and also a witch dog oh yeah yeah barley barley the witch barley dog. the witch dog if you've seen the, the full tarot card then uh, you've seen barley yeah barley is the dog that is uh, yapping at hey, you I, as you walk off the cliff i've been meaning to ask you how did you get barley off of the tarot card like Eric asked yesterday, like, how did he get me into the tarot card? Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that because my brains blew out of my head when he, when he mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, yesterday, um, the guys actually came up this weekend. We were going to hang out, but anyway, but there was a uh, esoteric book conference in Seattle. There was the, the esoteric the, yes. conference in Seattle, um, which... Uh, yeah, we are a little... I think Eric had a little more faith in what it was going to be than what I did. Uh, Eric was kind enough to buy... A ticket, and uh, I was a little worried it was going to be kind of a crystal-gazing event. Yeah, I suppose there was a big um, danger in that. Uh, Part of that danger might have been allayed if we had looked at the schedule (laughs) at all before, like, the morning of the event and been like, oh, crap, we're super late. We missed this first one. It sounds super awesome. Um, It ended up being really, really cool. It was really cool. It was. It was a great event. Really good speakers. Some good publishers out. Good speakers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jason, was it Jason Louvre? Was that his name? His last name was Louvre, but I don't remember his first name. Not Louvre like the museum, but Louvre like how oh, you would spell the name of the museum if you'd only heard it before. <laughs> <laughs> he did a really cool talk on John Dee, mm-hmm. book he's writing about him and his life. And a really good selection of books from different publishers and vendors. Yeah. Uh, what books did you buy, Matt? I bought... I don't have them in front of me, so I can't remember the name. There was an interesting book on Hathor, um, a book uh, on the 
Secret Doctrine of uh, Blavatsky, illustrated by Ron Reedy Jr. Oh yeah, that one looked really good. It was uh, it was pretty interesting. It was like a it was more like a zine. Yeah, I didn't even know what it was about. I just I really liked mm-hmm. Ron Reedy's work, so I grabbed it. I was like, hey, this looks cool. And also got the um, Triangle Book of Saint Germain. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember the something about the Green Path. Oh yeah, that one looks pretty interesting with the uh, like kind of a botanical. Yeah. Oh, uh, I didn't focus even on the botanical. I didn't see that one. So, um, but the Triangle Book of Saint Germain that that was uh, that was the one that you were most excited about, and I guess I want to ask you like, what had you heard about it before, and um, and how does it like so Saint Germain, the legend of Saint Germain, uh, does it go beyond the Comte de Saint Germain? I suppose probably one of the disclaimers we should have on this podcast is that I cannot pronounce French words. <laughs> They're all going to sound wrong. So uh, the Comte de Saint Germain. That goes um, for all three of us. Actually. Yes, probably. Yes. Oh yeah, but I mean, you guys have a really good excuse. You're from Oklahoma. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> I That's get a free dangle Saint Germain. Dangle Saint Germain. I get but, a free pass on that Oklahoma card all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, you know, if we unless we need somebody to make us ketchup sandwiches. Yes. Best you know, at that. Uh, but so, uh, you know, for those of our listeners who don't know anything about St. Germain, the Comte de St. Germain um, was a character, I mean, a real person, supposedly, in 18th century France who ran around in the French courts and was, like, supposedly immortal. And there are there legends about, like, people who had claimed to have seen him over a span of, like, 70 years or something. And he was always the same age and, like, he ate gemstones and, like... I don't know, pooped bunnies or something like that. And you know, I, I actually have some inside information on Saint Germain, some inside knowledge. Because, oh yeah, because I am Saint Germain. Now, see, I know that that's false because I believe I know the real Saint Germain. Oh yeah. Yes, a certain bald man with whom we are all familiar. Tom. We well, no. can't say his name. I didn't say. His name. <laughs> that's going to get edited out. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Honestly, I, I don't know a great deal about him either, other than the, the connection to Martinism. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I really know much. I knew that the, the Triangle Book was a grimoire. Um, I butcher that word all the time as well. So, Yeah, actually, um, uh, Mr. Louvre yesterday said it in a way that grimoire. I... Grimoire. Grimoire. is what he pronounced it. But I've always thought it would be grimoire. Yeah, they do. Grimoire, That's what I always thought it was, right? grimoire. Uh, all right, but in in any case, yeah, I, my, I guess uh, I probably should have read it. But so Saint Germain, like, uh, there were a number of really interesting characters running around in the French courts, and the French like, uh, I don't know what you would call that, the party scene, the super rich people scene, um, around that time, including the movers like, and shakers, yeah, the trust fund kids, yeah, the trust fund kids, the trustafarians of that time, they all were super pasty and had funny wigs and really strange pants. And frilly things everywhere. Yes. Like the, here's another French word that I can't say. The jabot. J-A-B-O-T. It's oh. like, the, it was their frilly. Oh, the frilly. Instead, because they didn't really have neckties at that point. They had these. Can I call my chest hair that? Um, jabot? <laughs> I mean, I guess it's better than the, than the Joey Amazon. <laughs> um, but, uh. Now I don't have to wear undershirts again. Thanks, guys. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, we're we're super looking forward to having you uh, record remotely the rest of these. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But how does the Triangle Book relate to that? Because it looked like... um, Honestly, I don't, because I don't know what 
connection that book would have with Martinism, maybe. Um... Well, Martinism, like Saint Germain, didn't found Martinism. No, but he's I know like their legendary yeah, founder, right? Right. Sort of like, yeah. Um, he was one of the. That was Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> she got a lead on something special outside. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I heard a uh, chicory in the woods out there. Hmm. A chicory is a very tiny squirrel-like creature. I thought it was a coffee substitute. In Louisiana, not well. Maybe down in, maybe down in the flooding lands, but up here in the heavily wooded lands, it's a, it's a relation. It's right. re, it's similar to a squirrel, a ground squirrel, or oh. a chipmunk. Huh. They're little, super noisy. They make noises that, if you don't know at first, they will sound like birds. But that has nothing to do with the occult or Saint Germain. So, <laughs> <laughs> Did you say it's not germane to the conversation. It is not. <laughs> it's not <laughs> oh oh yeah, this is going to be uh, this podcast probably rife with dad jokes. Oh yeah, bad puns. For I was sure. worried about that earlier. I was like, man, I'm getting so old that my jokes are horrible. <laughs> Don't worry about it. You're just gonna let it happen. Okay, just let it go. I mean, you are the you are the only dad here. So. I know. I've got four of them. Four four Asian teenagers. <laughs> Some of whom are older than you. <laughs> <laughs> they're all definitely smarter than I am. So mm-hmm. it keeps it keeps me mentally agile. And they, don't, they don't put up with dad jokes. <laughs> Um, so you don't know the triangle book like it's not um, was it do you know when it was originally written I do not I honestly do not know much well maybe about you it. should go get it out of the car I think cool. you guys keep talking alright well, we're going to talk about um, sports yes. <laughs> we're going to talk about sports <laughs> so what's your favorite fictional sport <laughs> oh I don't even have a favorite one of those have you ever seen the movie um uh What's the movie with basketball? Mm. Nope. No? Nope. Have you ever seen the movie Dodgeball? Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Anything with Ben Stiller, although stupid, is great. Have you ever seen um, A League of Their Own? No, I have not. What, the, there's no crying in baseball? You don't? Nope. Dang. So... <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've completely, the only sports I haven't blocked out of my life are the Portland Timbers because uh, I have season tickets through work. It took me so long to figure out what RCTID stood for. Oh gosh, I, I actually knew this, but uh, I believe I'd had a lot to drink at the game when I was told, so I promptly forgot it. I believe it stands for Rose City Till I Die. I don't know, but we'll have to look that up. Hmm. Sounds right to me. Matt just walked into the house carrying a book that looks an awful lot like a dog. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and have a sip of his beer. Don't tell anybody. Why don't you open another one? Is that okay? All right. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's a whole row of... uh, There's there's an unlabeled beer that I think he wanted to share with you. Oh, yeah, that's right. So we're we're still talking. This is going to be the uh, no editing podcast, too. Wait, what? We're not editing anything because we were no. just talking about... Oh, no. Okay. So, you have uh, the triangle book there in front of you, Mr. Anthony. Yes. Brother Matt. Edited and annotated by Nick Koss. Uh-huh. But I do not Wait, believe... say that without your hand over your mouth so that the people can hear. Oh, I'm sure they heard. No. <laughs> <laughs> Nick... <laughs> uh, let's see. Does not give a date as to when it was originally written. Interesting. <clears throat> Not even like a little intro that says like... So I think we should probably describe the book first. It's a really interesting printing. It's it's a triangle. It's a triangle. It's and in the, the shape of a triangle. Yeah, and it's like a picture 
uh, geez, I don't know how you even just how it's it's like a flip book sort of like you flip it up uh, mm-hmm. like a notepad, um, and it's got a dragon and a funny little sigil. It's pr- printed in three colors, which is kind of neat. Um, is it a Nokian? No, no, that's not, not a Nokian. I that was for a second, but apparently I not. think uh, reading this first page here. Holy magic revealed to Moses, founded in an Egyptian monument and carefully preserved in Asia under the emblem of a winged dragon. Well, I like that they added that detail because dragons without wings are, are, are pretty lame. <laughs> they are. <laughs> I mean, I think usually we call them either lizards or snakes, depending on <laughs> if they got tails or, you know, uh, legs and stuff or not. <clears throat> the, uh, the point of the grimoire is to, let's see, it says... Find things lost in the sea since the upheaval of the globe. Discover mines of diamonds, gold, and silver in the bosom of the earth. And preserve health and prolong life to a century and beyond with the freshness of 50 years and the strength of that age. Why so it's the strength kind of, of 30 years? No, no. 50-year-olds are totally buff. That's true. Yeah, That's I've true. heard. Only if they're on testosterone. Old man's for therapy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so it's kind of a book about how to become like the Comte de Saint Germain. Yeah. Right? Because supposedly he was always wealthy and he always was of the same age and that sort of thing. All right. Well, that's cool. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Looking forward to um, watching you age 15 years <laughs> 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 as you work through the secrets of this book. <laughs> Uh, and then what was your green book I see you have it oh there. it was uh, Verdant Gnosis Cultivating the Green Path I really don't know anything about this book either it just kind of caught my eye and I thought I'll check it out when I get home cool yeah that's helpful <laughs> did you get any books Joey? I got several uh, uh, pamphlets and catalogs from from uh, publishers there Uh huh. and I bought a, a really good coffee across the street <laughs> I also bought one of those coffees from across the street. That was an interesting experience because there was a game, a, a UW game going on that day. The Huskies yes. were playing somebody. So, all the, so there, was, there was tons of, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of parking available. It was like a clash of two worlds. It was. Esoteric a, Book Conference mm-hmm. meets University of Washington College football game on the same campus. Yeah. And so today was the first uh, Seahawks game, right? So we're still right. talking about sports, even though this isn't a podcast about sports. But I'm going to make a <laughs> comment about something that's weird culturally up here in the Seattle area, which is that there are so many people wearing Seahawks jerseys and Seahawks colors. And then yesterday, like, so many people wearing Huskies it's 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 crazy. Uh, I mean, perhaps in Portland, like it's a little gauche to be that obsessed with your sports team. So even oh, though we have no, a lot of right. Timbers fans, they don't run around all the time wearing the colors, except in the winter when it gets really cold and the hipsters put their Timbers scarves on. <laughs> That's um, true. Which is kind of interesting. Like I, I just kept noticing it over and over and over again. I, 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 I I'm not used to seeing this many sports fans. I am coming from <laughs> Oklahoma because. Everyone's all about OU football or OSU uh-huh. football. Well, I guess that's why I didn't even notice it when I, you know. I, I did notice it because I didn't think I would notice that here. I didn't think that yeah. there would be, people would be that in the sports here. I just assumed that that was more of an Oklahoma or a Southern thing. But no, no. Yeah, it's, it's shocking. And as long as we're talking about, like, people wearing the colors of their favorite sports team, I think we should also talk about the fact that <laughs> so many people at the Esoteric Book Conference were wearing black Yes. Except for you and Joey. You guys didn't get the, me- the memo. I did not get the memo. I feel like um, I have put in so much time in the, uh, in the occult uh, milieu 
that I am entitled to wear whatever fucking colors I want. I Wait, see. can you edit that out? I just swore. Are That's we allowed okay. to do that? Yeah, we're allowed to do that. Yes. The interweb. No, I'm the same way. I don't, regardless of whatever I do, I've got my own style and I'm not going to change it. You know, it, it doesn't matter. I've Everybody's got their own thing. Mm-hmm. I've always had the same wardrobe. Black. Yeah, black. Black. So it just... It worked naturally. It wasn't intentional, but... So you were kind of planning on this whole esoteric occult thing from, like, the day you got to pick your own clothing, huh? Oh, yeah. You're like, someday I'm going to totally... <laughs> this is, is going to make sense one day. All this black is going to make sense. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're also drinking a beer. Yeah. Which is something yeah, can you... Do a lot. This is, can this you is tell a beer us about... that Matt Anthony made for yeah. us. Tell this us about is, this uh, when I owned a brewery in Oklahoma City. Uh, Anthem. Anthem. I, uh... This is one of the last beers uh, we released before I left. This is called Festivus. It was a 8% Belgian ale aged in... Uh, yep, there goes the witch dog. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> bourbon barrels and then spiced with um, nutmeg and cinnamon and a few other things. So mm-hmm. it kinda... It's delicious. I mean, it tastes like it's a. It's totally a Christmassy. Yeah. I mean, sorry, Festivus-y, Festivus-y. beer. It is delicious. Figgy? I, I actually already finished mm-hmm. mine. Like a, like a savage. <laughs> Matt uh, <laughs> set this aside for um, Joey specifically because he's like, oh, Joey loves this beer. And <clears throat> we've been waiting all weekend to drink it. Yeah. It's aging nice. Thank you. <laughs> well, I want to talk about my books. Okay. Okay. I got, I got two. Uh, the first one, the Rosicrucian Trilogy, it's, uh, it's the Fama Fraternitatis, the Confessio Fraternitatis, and the ke- uh, Chemical Wedding of Christian Rosenkreutz. Uh, all in new um, translations. I believe it just came out. It just came out this year. Um, and the translators, this is pretty exciting. Jocelyn Godwin, Christopher McIntosh, and I have no idea how to say that name. Let me see. Donate Panke McIntosh. It's definitely not Donate. I'm almost donate. certain. Donate. Sure nobody... it's not Donate? I think it's Donate. <laughs> donate Panke. Donate pancakes, Macintosh. Donate pancakes, Macintosh. Exactly. <laughs> As Freemasons, we are uh, big fans of pancakes um, <laughs> and Macintosh computers. So the exciting thing about these is uh, is that you know, like oh, thank you. Rosicrucians, for instance, are are super big in the occult circles. And wait, you just gave us the rest of your beer. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. No problem. Uh, and um, and Jocelyn Godwin uh, is is like one of the awesomest scholars of of that era and that subject you know like <clears throat> um so I'm, very, I'm pretty excited about about reading this um and that's all i'm going to say about it because i think i'm going to write a book review about it how about this fiction book here that looks pretty interesting the one that i've been glued to since i get since we got back yeah you should actually uh you should read the forward to everybody okay i will um hold on let me talk a little so this is um the Hole Behind Midnight, a story of the 25th hour by Clinton J. Boomer. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's published by uh, Broken Eye Books. And I met the, um, the principal, main dude, the Broken Eye Books dude. He was at the Esoteric Book Conference the running the publisher. Yeah, yeah he, was, he was there running the booth. And... Um, he told me that when he got this manuscript, he thought it was so awesome that he knew it had to get published. And so this manuscript is sort of the reason he started this publishing company. So uh, it's, it's, an, it's an occult novel. 
it's a mystery. It's very, um, it's super unorthodox, and it's awesome. Like I've been, I've been absolutely glued to it when I've had the chance. Uh, so I'll read you the prologue. Oh, prologue. I'm sorry. Yes. Now forward. All right, you guys ready? Let me. <coughs> prologue. Fuck prologues. I hate them and re- refuse to include one. My name is Royden Poole, and this is my side of the story. <laughs> Straight to the point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's good. It's got monsters and magic and and rules for the magic and interesting like pop culture references and uh, humor and blood and guts and good mystery. And yeah, I, I'm really enjoying it so far. Uh, and supposedly, it says here, I was reading in the... Um, Oh, look, here's, here's the cast. Uh, now I was reading in the copyright section, uh, the 25th hour, which is an important plot element in the book. Uh, the 25th hour is a shared world and associated content, including AWAC, Alone We Are Kings, the Forgotten King Society, and the Sideways, are trademarks of the Wear Cabbages Freelance Guild and are used here with permission. <laughs> so that gives me hope because... Oh, yeah, yeah, the... Um, the publisher, he had another book with uh, like short stories that were set in the same world, and I think it was, those might have also been by Clinton J. Boomer. I don't know. There was a lot of stuff to take in yesterday, so it was hard to keep track of it all. Yeah, yeah. There were some really nice. Uh, the publishers had some really nice leather-bound, you know, just uh, kind of limited release publications. Oh yeah, uh, Robarus Press was there. Robarus Press, they had some cool stuff. There was good art too. There was an yeah. art gallery and with people artists selling their. Uh, their paintings. Mm-hmm. I didn't, get, I didn't get a chance to go through the art gallery. That's good. Yeah, there was a lot of really cool stuff there. It made me think of um, uh, Matt Turcott. Oh, yeah. Because he, he makes some pretty amazing art. Oh, does he really? I didn't yeah. realize that. He, he's not very noisy about it. I hope, I hope we're allowed to talk about <laughs> it on the internet. I'm going to I'm gonna have to uh, <clears throat> talk to him about it. I'd like to see it. But I have a piece of his. I have a painting of Varys that he did that that big yellow painting hanging in my study that you guys have never seen? No. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly the one you're talking about. Yeah, Not exactly. really. <laughs> <laughs> it ended up being way cooler than, than we even thought it would be. So mm-hmm. I think next year we're going to stay downtown and go mm-hmm. to the whole conference. Yeah, I think that would be a great weekend. It'd be a great weekend. Yeah, especially since we, we missed a really cool opportunity to meet... Um, um, oh, let me look at his name real quick. I think I have the schedule. <coughs> Maybe we shouldn't say the name. We'll just say the title. No, oh, no, this wasn't somebody on the schedule. This was the uh, the Atlanta dude. I uh, know that's what I mean. Atlanta dude. You know, Fred Satan or whatever his name was. <laughs> oh, so, uh, <laughs> we got in Eric. Not not we, but Eric <laughs> got a special invitation yesterday. Uh, it's um. Fred, Fred, who is the head of the Atlanta chapter of the Satanic Temple. Anyhow, it would have been really cool to get to meet him, but maybe maybe next time. What was the invite for? Some sort of Satan party <laughs> <laughs> in Seattle. That would have been very interesting. I could I could just see the three of us showing up to a Satan you know party with a well, bunch of Satanists. We could have seen him showing up because he was wearing black. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you wouldn't have gotten in. I wouldn't have gotten in. They, they, would, have, they would have thought we were cops. They, would have said, you and me. they said the sports ball game's this way square. Yeah, they're like, yeah. what, is, what is that, a white hat? You can't come in here. <laughs> <laughs> you right-hander. <laughs> you, you're in. You cops, get out of here. <laughs> that actually happened to me when uh, 
Well, it didn't, that didn't happen to me, but uh, the first time I ever went to the uh, an OTO lodge in Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. random deal, I was driving through, through Oklahoma City one day off 23rd Street, and I see this giant uh, Egyptian goddess painted on a, on a window. Next to a Domino's. Next to a Domino's, like a little strip mall. And it, it was an OTO temple, Ordo Temple Orientis, which those of you who don't know, that's one of that's Alistair Crowley's order. Mm-hmm. Um, but he took over from a um, Theodore Royce, right, and some other dude. So I I, uh, I wasn't familiar at all with what they actually did there. I'd I'd read some of Crowley's works, but I didn't know how they operate how they they operated things. Um, at the time, I was married, had a nice square life in Edmond, Oklahoma. So I went to church with the family one morning Sunday because that's mm-hmm. what you do in Edmond. <laughs> took them all home and the and the, the mm-hmm. OTO was having an event that afternoon which church uh, I think it was it Life Church it was Life Church or Wait, it was Life Church Life Church is like a it's a it's a mega church in Oklahoma City but they don't have they have, have campuses where so the main church is in it's the biggest church in the world basically yeah it's in Edmond but then scattered throughout Edmond and Oklahoma City and parts of Oklahoma there are churches that where they show up to watch the live stream of the other church what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All over the world. So, right, so you, sorry, back to your story. So I go to this, uh, I go to one of their, uh, what are they, it's the, uh, a mass that they have in the afternoon. Oh, the Gnostic mass. The Gnostic mass. The so Ecclesiastica I'm, Gnostica Catholica. I'm thinking, well, you know, it's a mass. I'll just, uh, I'll just go like I'm going to church. I don't know. <laughs> so, so I show up in my suit. <laughs> was it black? Was it a black suit? It was a black suit, but okay, I was well, dressed. Good. You know, it was very nice. Dressed very nice, and you know, had a really nice car at the time. Pull up, and I mean, it, it was an OTO event. Mm-hmm. It, you know, everybody. It was kind of a lot of the people there, like people that we interacted with over the weekend, just normal folks with black T-shirts, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So, a guy like, showing up in a suit was unusual, mm-hmm. to say the least. <laughs> and uh, they were very nice. It was, it was a, a nice group of people, and I've got to know some several of them over the years. Really good people. But I, uh, you know, just went to that event, left, came back maybe a month later, and you know, just kind of stopped in from time to time. And about a year later, uh, one of the the ladies there said that they were when I left that day, they they were all convinced that I was a cop. Coming to check on it. <laughs> you know, I mean, it would not surprise me at all if um, if some regional regional FBI office in Oklahoma decided that the OTO is worth keeping eyes on. No, no, they they have actually had police yeah. stop really, them. yeah, the detectives and things that are you know just keeping an eye on them because of because, you know, just the reputation and yeah. probably I mean you know there's. And just isn't, the, the, isn't the OTO is pretty big in Oklahoma City, isn't it? It is. Yeah, they've, they've got a nice... a lot of visitors from, I guess, higher up in the... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. ...come regular, or visit regularly. Yeah, and actually one of their uh, grand folks, he, he was there, he's not there anymore, but uh, Lon Duquette goes into Oklahoma mm-hmm. City quite often, mm-hmm. maybe once a year, and uh, does stuff with them. And well, I've got a story about that place. Uh, I went with you one time to Gnostic Mass, and uh, the very beginning of the Gnostic Mass, uh, I think we were kneeling or st- went to stand... And the entire crotch and seat of my pants 
ripped out. Oh, that's right. So I had to <laughs> go through the entire mass with a probably one foot hole in my pants. I have heard rumors that that sort of thing is actually appreciated at OTO. <laughs> Nobody minds. I don't want to make fun of the OTO though, because no, I actually I have a I have a number of friends that I respect who are yeah. who are serious in the OTO. Um, well, it's, I mean, the occult's kind of like anything else. It's there are lots of different strains and flavors, and you just got to pick the one that's right for your path. And honestly, uh, somebody looking at the occult from outside, it, I think it would be very rare. If you, I mean, if you weren't afraid of the occult, if you were looking at it with a really open mind, a great deal of it is absolutely hilarious. What do you mean? I mean, a great deal of it is absolutely hilarious. Have you ever considered, for instance, what it looks like to an outsider when oh, you're yeah. forming your rituals or yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. chanting the names of archangels and prancing about with a little wand. I mean, it looks hilarious. It is absolutely hilarious. It's uh, ridiculous, actually. Yes. That's what yeah. got me from doing ritual for the first couple months that I wanted to because it just... I would go into my space and be like, I, I'm going to look like a fool. This looks, this looks completely ridiculous. <laughs> well, I mean, when I first started really doing a ceremonial magic, I was working through um, uh, Donald Michael Craig's uh, Modern Magic. That's how, I get, that's how I got started as well. Which, if you look at that book, it is an absolutely ridiculous looking book. With, <laughs> I mean, the, ver- uh, the edition I had, which I think might have been like, I don't know. I still think it's really cool. The very cliche cover with the with the blue, blue <laughs> with, the, with the lady all like wah wah wah, waving her dagger around and the flaming pentagram and her robes flowing hey, behind her, and it's know, just kind of like you know when you're a white trash kid from Logan County and you see that book, you're like, oh my god, <laughs> that ain't no ketchup sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a ketchup sandwich, and magic is real. <laughs> Stone tower one day drawing blue pentagrams of the sword while the wind blows through my long hair. With that lady. <laughs> but um, I, I, it, you know, I mean, I, I guess I, uh, I started working through um, through Donald Michael Craig's book probably in uh, in '99 or 2000, and um, I was married at the time, or at least about to be married at the time, and it was really sort of like. You know, what do I do? Do I sit down with my wife and tell her that every morning I'm going to wake up an hour early and start chanting? And I was super nervous about it. And, uh, and you know, I mean, to her credit, she was like, cool, let's do that. I'll help you find an altar. I'll help you. Do-. And I was like, all right, cool. cool. So uh, we, didn't, we didn't live in a really big place. So she was definitely okay with me doing weird stuff in the living room and chanting and stuff and Having a house full of uh, four four young kids and a wife, like I did, that was that was challenging. I would, but I mean, at least you had like you had virgin matters. sacrifices available. <laughs> 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 the rest of us have to like go down to the junior high and, and buy one. <laughs> Should you need one? <laughs> there were a lot of late nights and early mornings mm-hmm. to get it done, but. It, yeah. Somehow I some, somehow I got it done more often then than I do now when I don't have to worry about that. Yeah, I, that's uh, that's interesting to me. That's odd, odd to me too. Um, but it reminds me of you know like at the end of oh geez, it's been so long since I've even looked in modern magic that I'm having trouble remembering that it's kind of at the end of one of the early chapters where he talks about the uh, Isis Apophis Osiris cycle. Right. The, the dying god. Yeah, but the the. Uh, so I was I was working through with a with a group at the time, um, 
over the internet. It was an internet group. Uh, and we had a lot of discussion about this particular cycle where people who had been, do, who had been practicing or, or even using like, uh, Craig's work longer than I had, uh, were talking about how, uh, you know, the practice will go on really strong for a little while and then it'll kind of wane and you'll sort of lose interest, but it's all a question of sort of like will, like forcing yourself back into the practice yeah. and then starting up again or like working through it even when it doesn't seem to be doing anything and and either the ridiculousness or the tedium is just sort of, you know, weighing down on you. So or that, you hit a point where you run into something that's really scary and it scares you off for a year or so. Yeah. Which that might be a good topic for another podcast. But I yeah, you know, I think we've all run into scary things. Yeah. Yes. Scary, scary as in like your entire life imploding from. Well, not necessarily yeah. that, but just geez, I mean that happened to me too. But that's also a different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I mean more just. Hearing or seeing something that scared you enough to, mm -hmm. to put you off from sure. practice for a while. Yeah. yeah, and that can be anything. Emotional things, your life. Just, mm. Things just kind of go crazy and you get to focus the future on other accidentally. stuff. <laughs> I'm really sorry about what's going to happen to you, Julie. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go take flight at Snoqualmie Falls now. <laughs> like I should have done earlier. Oh, yeah. So today... Uh, so we didn't we didn't do both days of the esoteric book conference mm. today we did the a little bit of the twin peaks tour it was sort of cut short but we at least got hamburgers actually the, the great thing that uh that matt and eric did friday is they introduced me to twin peaks which is an episode that i've never seen um or it's a series i've never seen and i thought it was pretty awesome so going to the cafe just straight out of the box. Yeah, I took them to mm -hmm. Snoqualmie Falls, which was the scene of the Great Northern and the opening, or one of the opening shots in the title sequence. And yeah, we ate at the Double R Diner. Took them where the uh, the Welcome to Twin Peaks sign was, Brown S Bridge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was pretty. It was all pretty neat to see. Um, it's so weird to think about how long ago that was. And then I guess sometimes it's also really weird to think back on that TV show and how weird it was like you know it's it's you know when you introduce somebody to it it starts off seeming like just sort of like a quirky murder mystery and it's not until like the third episode where you get i guess in the second episode you've got uh uh laura palmer's mom seeing bob in the corner mm -hmm. right but then in the third episode is when you know agent cooper has this dream and you, you see the man from another place doing his little like let's rock thing and, and uh talking about that gummy like and and then um, it was an amazing scene. Yeah, and then the rock throwing, the Tibetan rock throwing part. <laughs> it was just so out of that, place for its time. Oh yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Being, I remember, I vaguely remember watching it as a kid. I think it was probably. It was nineteen third or maybe fourth. fourth it was nineteen ninety. Whatever year. Oh, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I was a kid, but I don't remember enough. Like mm -hmm. first grade, probably first second grade. No Wait. way, you're the same age as I am. So that Jeez, been how, grade. how young are you guys? We're thirty-seven. Oh. You're not... We're not young. No, but you're only like three years younger than I am. Yeah. So, I mean, I was in... I must have been a freshman. I remember Twin Peaks, but I don't remember... I never watched it. I watched it. it I was, just remember uh, it being like a thing. And it was so weird. I loved yeah. how weird it was. I had no idea what was going on. Oh, the witch dog. The witch dog is here. He's here to speak. You got something to say about Twin Peaks? So Somebody's coming forward. What's yeah. this witch dog? You got... Is it just oh. how your fur grows? Whorls, weird signs. Just, just to let you guys know, on the podcast, uh, we've got two uh, small to medium-sized dogs that are very intelligent and 
getting frustrated with us because we've been sitting in one spot for too long. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, I think it's time. It's time to open another beer. Think so. Yeah, um, Joey took the unlabeled one out of the fridge. Yeah, I think that's that may be. It's either going to be Papi Burleson or it's going to be Count Pedro. Count Pedro. Yeah, Count Pedro was uh, another Belgian ale, aged in tequila barrels and then finished with habaneros. Aged. I hope it's that one. You don't know which one it is. It's unlabeled. All right, everybody. This is podcast people. Because there were, whenever we were labeling, there would be leftover bottles, of like a, not enough to fill a case, so I didn't uh-huh. bother labeling them. Can you tell by color? That looks like, well, that looks like one we just had. It, it does, but he said it wouldn't be Festivus, probably. Well, there's a, there's a possibility. That's enough. Yeah, maybe. maybe. <laughs> so, should we describe this beer? It is amberish. It's not very clear. I think this is Pappy. Oh, it has a nose like. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, so yeah, it this smells is... like it smells like a, somebody filtered beer through a grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> a very bourboning grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Pappy Burleson. Yeah, Pappy Burleson was mm. named after uh, a really good friend, Randy Burleson, uh-huh. and. Here's some witch dog moss for you. This was, it may still be the strongest beer that was ever brewed in Oklahoma. It was yeah, nineteen uh, percent, if I remember right. Uh huh. And oh, this was nineteen percent. Nineteen percent. Are you serious? And aged in bourbon barrels for a year. Jeez. So this podcast might get a little weird. Yeah. Breckenridge well, bourbon. It's so supposed to be weird. So then. Um, uh, Matt, when you went to uh, the OTO in Oklahoma City with Joey, was that your first introduction to them? It was. I knew very little about You're welcome, OTO. America. <laughs> 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 you knew very little about them at that point? Yeah. Now, also, coming from masonry, and it could have just been masonry where we were, and everyone, there was kind of an unspoken rule. Everyone was pretty scared of anything related to Crowley and if you wanted to be a good mason, you kept your distance. So what year did you become a mason? 2007. And did masons in Oklahoma at that point, like they knew about Crowley? And oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Some of the early conversations I had, because I, I had, you know, I was kind of dipping my toes in all these subjects. Mm-hmm. And I brought up Crowley once and a couple of people said, you know, let's talk sometime, but generally let's not talk about this stuff around other masons because it's kind of verboten and that's that's interesting. I, I waited until there were several nights of drinking at Old Chicago before dropping any names. Yeah, because <laughs> it just seemed like uh, it wasn't really welcome. Yeah. <clears throat> so I mean, um, I mean the the thing that's really interesting about it, like, that, like the uh, the Oklahoma Mason experience and the Oregon Mason experience, um, have got to be completely different. Like the the last time I looked at numbers in Oklahoma, there were like sixty five thousand mm-hmm. Masons in the Grand Lodge of Oklahoma. <clears throat> and Oregon has about 8,000. That's it? Yeah. Oh, wow, really? Because it feels as... Uh, Oklahoma masonry is extremely active, really strong. Mm-hmm. It feels like Oregon masonry is equally strong. You've only been active. in like two meetings. No, but no, it just... <laughs> and just following people online. Oh, yeah. It just seems like... Well, except that you're, you're, you're hearing the voices of a very small number of, of Masons, right? That's like true. they're, they're uh, yeah, And they're also kind of... Con- a lot of them concentrated. They're mostly concentrated in the Portland area. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, and the Masons who are active in Oregon are, are really, really active. It's just, uh, at least I think so. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to, you know, it's very hard to compare. Every Grand Lodge is so different that it's really hard to get a, a good view of 
how it goes, but um, yeah, I'm still not sure. Just looking from the outside here in Washington, it feels as though Washington masonry is maybe not as active. And I don't. I have never been. Uh, I've been to some uh, lodge functions in Vancouver, mm-hmm. but um, uh, I've never really done anything in like Seattle Freemasonry. What was uh, the uh, lodge that we saw yesterday? In uh, in seat in Seattle. Oh, by Fremont. I can't remember the name of the uh, the lodge, but it's in Fremont. In Troll Seattle. Lodge. No. <laughs> <laughs> Troll Lodge. Yeah. That's yeah. in Fremont by the uh, giant statue of Lenin. Oh yeah, Lenin Lodge. <laughs> it looks like a really cool lodge. I've got a giant mural painted yeah. on the side. That mural was very nice. Honestly, and that I was really close to um, that was really close to where University Lodge is also. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, um, I told you. Uh, I went to University Lodge, uh, not during a, a meeting, but to see uh, Andrew Hammer talk once. Hmm. Um, but uh, a lot of the Seattle Masons like come down to events at my lodge, and and I get the feeling that Freemasonry in Washington is different, but it's hard to put your finger on. You know, it's just because yeah. I've only had the chance to visit one lodge mm-hmm. so far, and it was in Tacoma. That name completely escapes me. Is uh, it Tacoma Lodge? No. There's quite a few lodges in Tacoma, but oh. um, I don't remember the name of it. The guys, were, the brothers were really nice. It wasn't Crucible, though, you don't think? It may have been, but I honestly can't remember. But uh, that was my only experience of Washington Masonry. But next week I'm visiting a lodge uh, in Gig Harbor, mm-hmm. and then in October, Esoteric in Seattle. Oh, mm-hmm. so there's a lodge here in Gig, Gig Harbor? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, they they were dark during the summer, so I didn't get a chance to. Yeah, actually, um, right down the street from the Double R Diner in um, uh, North Bend mm-hmm. is the Masonic Lodge there, or at least it's their original building. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what they were called, but I believe it was what number one ninety two or one ninety eight. I didn't catch that. Um, yeah, it was it was right there. I don't, and I didn't really. It was I went and tried to look. I didn't take a lot of time, so I don't know if they're still meeting or anything, but. Yeah. So speaking of Freemasonry, and so actually something for everybody on the podcast to know is all three of us coagulated together over the past few years because of Freemasonry. Mm-hmm. We met, uh, Matt and I met in uh, Edmund Lodge in Oklahoma and then uh, met Eric online, mm-hmm. met Eric online and uh, through some of the Scottish Rite affiliations and things. So. Uh, we know we just have all coagulated over the years. Mm-hmm. What uh, what brought you into masonry, Eric? Well, I became a mason in Southern Oregon in the year two thousand. In the year two thousand. <laughs> 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 um, at the time, uh, you know, the, this uh, it, it's no coincidence that I had started doing it. In the year 2000, <laughs> Eric Arneson will become a Freemason. <laughs> I think I remember seeing that episode. Yeah, that's a good episode. <laughs> um, uh, I was, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's no secret that I was, or I, like I said earlier, like that was about the same time that I started um, with Donald Michael Craig's mm. Modern Magic. Um, oh, so that all kind of happened around the same time. It all happened around, yeah. And I got married that year too. It was, it was a it was a year of great wow. change and great responsibility. But I, I think um, at the time I, I like, well, I'm going to be a man here. Let's just pile <coughs> as much on as I can. I was piling on as much as I could too. Like lots of stuff was happening. Like I had my first real job. I had yeah. my first real blah 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 blah. I had a cat, um, a car. I had gotten like Bought a, a brand new car. No, that was way later. Oh, but, was it? Um, almost, almost bought a house, but then uh, it turned out to be a meth house. So, so lots, that's a different story for a different podcast, probably. Um, 
But I guess uh, I went looking for Freemasonry for two reasons. Uh, first of all, I wanted to have a greater sense of connection to the community. Like I wanted to, um, you know, I mean, I was a very, I, I don't know if I still am, but I was a very reclusive, antisocial youth. And I didn't, I didn't feel like I got along well with people. I spent a couple years uh, after dropping out of college being sort of like, reclusive and sitting at home and you know not being involved in the world and uh i guess part of me was sort of like ah you know i should get out there i should like get involved in the community i should do something that's like not just involving me and my computers and my 56k bod modem and uh, <laughs> and i should you know like get out and then the other part of me after you know studying um ceremonial magic and studying i don't know if uh, i don't know if donald michael craig talks about it very much but of course that wasn't the only book i was reading there were all sorts of stuff and and all of it was uh, you know all of that stuff is really sort of uh, uh centered around like a uh, uh, a self-initiating golden dawn tradition mm -hmm. uh but it's also always kind of apologetic like you know gee it sure would be cool if you could get a real initiation but since you can't Here's how you hack it without one. Yeah, uh, but it always kind of makes you feel like, oh, what did I do? I missed everything by like a century. Yeah. I live in a small town. There's no Golden Dawn temples around here. There's nothing even similar to Golden Dawn. We were in the same boat. Yeah. yeah. So I thought maybe Freemasonry could offer me a an initiatic experience that would be similar to the initiatic experience you get through the Golden Dawn. Um, <laughs> that sound was Zoe, the smallest of the dogs. Leaping four feet into the yes. air. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I went to uh, Ashland Lodge. Ashland Lodge 23, and number 23 in Ashland, Oregon. Grand Lodge of Ancient Free and Accepted Masons of Oregon. Uh, originally chartered in something like 1869, I think. It's an old lodge. They built the first brick building in Ashland, Oregon. Um, oh, wow, really? Yeah. Ashland burned in like the 1870s and they had to rebuild it and the Freemasons built the first brick building. Of course, probably none of the Freemasons actually worked on it because speculative Masons don't know shit about rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Back then they did. Yeah, no, well, some of them, I'm sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, but, you know, especially in areas like that, probably farmers, and, I mean, that's how I get into it. Because you're a farmer? No story. No, uh, what, friend, a ketchup farmer? A friend's, a friend's <laughs> grandfather, who is still a farmer, but continue, sorry. No, 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 please. Oh, well, I mean, you I guess I will finish, my friend. Oh, yeah, okay, so <laughs> when I got to Freemasonry in the year 2000, do you guys want to sing that again? Year 2000. <laughs> Can you do an auto tone on that? Edit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when I uh, when I got to Freemasonry, when I got to Ashland Lodge, I was pretty quickly convinced that there was nothing really strongly esoteric and certainly nothing occult going on in that lodge, right? Like it was very much a social lodge, but what completely blew me away was how incredibly open and welcoming and accepting they were. Like they just brought me in. They're like, come and have some coffee and donuts. It was a Thursday morning. Um, yeah. Come and have some coffee and donuts. Come and talk to us. They were not only open about sharing like their own opinions and beliefs about stuff, but they wanted to hear what I had to say and they were not judging me about any of it. 
And, you know, I mean, this is, I, uh, for those of you who don't know Ashland, Oregon, Ashland, Oregon is a, it's a small town in southern Oregon. It's a college town. So it's got this sharp divide between, like, young, hyper-liberal hippie types and old, hyper-conservative, like, old, hyper-conservative Christians, right? So, so uh, you know, and I was, I was young, and, and, like, the impression you get or the ex- expectation you have is that you're going to be, like, shut down by these conservative old men who are like, no, you're wrong, and you're an idiot. So, I mean, I knew that I, I didn't, I guess I probably did not know at that time how much of a wrong idiot I was, but I totally was expecting to just run into opposition constantly. And instead, it was men of a generation or two ahead of me, probably two generations ahead of me, sharing their experience with the world and yeah. totally being like, oh, it's interesting hearing what you have to say. Now listen to and, and I made friends through that, through that lot. Like, I was totally like, I was blown away. I was like, I want to be a member of this. I don't know who these guys are. I don't know what the heck this is about. But I've never had anybody actually want me to be around in this way. Yeah. Anybody yeah. different want me to be around. You know, like, hanging out with people who are just like you is super easy. But hanging out, hanging out with people who are not like you. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. It's yeah. completely different age groups and yeah. backgrounds and beliefs. It's, it's, a safe, it's a safe meeting ground. It was amazing. I, I was blown away by it. And I remember um, <clears throat> my uh, my mentor, the the man who brought me into the lodge and then uh, uh, taught me all the memory work to bring me through the degrees. Um, he was a he was a really old guy then, and um, I always had this impression that he's super conservative. He always seemed super conservative and very kind of like by the books and stuff. I remember we were sitting outside the lodge waiting I'm trying to remember exactly I think it, we might have been waiting for them to open the lodge um, for me to do my fellow craft degree and uh, we were talking about somehow it, we came around to the subject of marijuana legalization this is in the year 2000 and he's like yeah I don't really understand why marijuana is illegal I think we should just sort of legalize all the drugs <laughs> I just remember thinking like wait a minute there's an old guy who thinks this this is super <laughs> weird <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> unlike Oklahoma. <laughs> no, no, for the most part, Matt and I had to work pretty hard. We, we found a good group of old, older guys and younger mm-hmm. guys. That... So what about you, Joey? What was your your coming into Freemasonry experience? Uh, so, you know, I got into the Donald Michael Craig stuff, modern magic, and mm-hmm. ceremonial stuff when I was like around 13 or 14. What was that out then? Yeah. No. And so, I was just you know I was on my out in the woods doing my own my own thing and and I was reading about Crowley and I actually visited. So I I lived in Oklahoma. My dad lived in Astoria, Oregon at the time. We've got a lot Mm -hmm. of family here in the Pacific Northwest. It is Um, the best place in the country. It really is. Here's to the Pacific Northwest. Here's to the Pacific Northwest. So I would come visit um, <laughs> my grandparents and my dad, and you know, I'd inevitably end up doing some odd job for a neighbor or, or whatever, and get a little bit of cash. And whatever cash I had, I would go to this little bookstore in Astoria, and I would buy every occult book I could find. <laughs> and it ended up being like you know Israeli regard is golden, the Golden Dawn, and uh-huh. 
some Aleister Crowley, uh, the Book of Lives, Aleister Crowley, mm-hmm. um, you know, just whatever I could find, basically. Yeah. Um, so I'd go back and do my own solitary practice. But through that, I, I read about Freemasonry and um, just through various readings. And it was kind of a, an interesting topic. I, I never really focused on it or worried about it. I was just doing reading about, you know, uh, ceremonial magic. But then my best friend, his name is also Joey. He, I grew up next to him in Logan County, America. And Logan <laughs> County, America. His uh, his grandfather had a, a, a big farm in Dover, Oklahoma. And we'd, we'd go up there in the summer and shoot turtles and just have fun. But I, we were walking through the living room one day, and I noticed a giant Bible with a square and compass on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, he was a Freemason. His grandfather was. and Just mm-hmm. a salt of the earth really good guy and his his grandmother was very active in, in her role as, as a wife you know in the rainbow and all that stuff um so joey when he when he turned 18 his grandfather um he got initiated in a lodge way in, in dover oklahoma actually he got married at the guthrie scottish Rite temple and I was the best best man at that wedding. It, just an amazing building. His grandfather took us around, gave us a tour. And when I was in the the gigantic library that they have, I uh, oh, the I noticed the Hogwarts, the 13th century yeah Abbey Library. That's it. I noticed this specific special section of books, and uh, you know just some of the subject matters and things. Wait, was, what year was this? Oh gosh, this was this might, this was probably like two thousand. That was two thousand four, I think. Um, two thousand five. And uh, so, so I, I saw the, I saw the titles, and I thought I was thinking, oh my god, it's been here all along. I found it. You know, well, so, it had been there for at least a year. Yeah, <laughs> I realize that now. <laughs> but so, so I, I, I said, hey, you know, I, I talked to his grandfather and uh, asked how how I could join, what what the process was, and um, he made a couple of he uh, his uh, his uh, Joey's brother in law actually was a mason as well at that point, and he he introduced me to some guys in Edmond and. Mm-hmm. We uh, went from there. And so what's the name of your mother lodge? It's uh, Edmund Lodge number... 37. 37. Cool. Actually joined... I'm kind of a bad mason, actually. I joined, was initiated, and um, and then started the lectures, but I kind of bailed out on it for a year or so. And then mm. I just, You're waiting for the rest of us to show up. Yeah, and that's what happened. Like I, I went back to... Finally, I was like, yeah, if there's something there, I gotta finish. I gotta at least finish what I started. Um, it didn't seem like there was. It didn't seem like what I was after was there when I started. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I went away, and then I came back, and just you know had had the resolve that I needed to at least finish, go through the degrees, finish up, and if it was there, it was there. If not, then at least I finished it, and I knew. And when I came back. Everybody else, you know, Matt and Josh and uh, everybody else, the whole, our whole crew that, that we know of and who are probably going to be listening to this, 
You know the who, only ones. You, you know who ones. you are. You're the only ones listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank uh, you, Oklahoma Masons. They were all there. We coagulated. And it's been magic ever since. <laughs> so then you joined after he after he did. I'm did. sorry, Matt. You joined after Joey did, right? <laughs> I did. What year was that? It was 2007. It was. Uh... So wait, you said you were in 2007, were you? Or you were in 2004? Well, that no, that was like when the seed happened. I think. Mm-hmm. I think I was 2006, maybe. When yeah, you... I think it was like the year before I was initiated. Okay. But you know, by the time I came back, it was. I think you might have already been a master, maybe. No, I think I was only an EA or a fellow craft. Well, it was a short period. But that's right. No, you were in Edmonton also? Edmond, yes. Jason. Well, I didn't live in Edmond, but... Wait, is there an Edmonton? No. That might be in Canada. Canada, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right, because Jason Marshall and I, we uh, we were learning together, and we, we went through the... We finished out at the, around the same time. Oh, then I would have already been a master, yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Master Mason. Yeah. Anyway, we, yeah. it was all about the same time. So what, what drew you in? Here, have a little bit more beer. Oh, no, I shouldn't. Thank you. <laughs> um, token, token. Oh, no, thank you. I'm driving. It had always been something that kind of <laughs> interested me. Inter- <laughs> interested me. Uh-huh. Amy, uh, my wife's uh, grandfather was actually Grandmaster for the state of Oklahoma in 76 or 77, I believe. What? Really? Yeah. And when he passed away in 2006, I, I believe that's right, um... He had a huge Masonic service, mm-hmm. um, not only at the church, but also graveside. And I, there were easily over 100 men that had driven from all over the state for his funeral and the service they gave. And it was all from memory. Mm-hmm. It blew my mind that, one, that these men would take the time to learn something and memorize it that lengthy, mm-hmm. and then to show up and drive from all over the state for this man's funeral. Like, what's what's the connection there? There's gonna be something really special and unique. And uh, so it, that impressed me quite a bit. And then over the next year, I was going through some pretty um, serious personal changes. Nothing, I, I was turning 27, and I hear a lot of people go through kind of a bit of a identity <laughs> crisis at that age. And when you say I hear, are you like referring to the concept of the Saturn return? No. <laughs> No? No. Oh, do you no. know about the Saturn return? No, I don't. Oh. Okay, yeah. So Saturn takes uh, something like 27 or 28 years to return, to, to make to, one year, one Saturn year is about 27 or 28 years. So in order to return to the same place that it was when you were born, it takes right around that time. So most people, so the, the theory is that people go through drastic incredible life changes between the years of like 27 and 30 because of the ponderous onerous influence of saturn lumbering like some sort of giant evil monster through your uh, stars wow i'd never heard that i just going off what off of other friends experiences (laughs) at that age and People that are older than me saying the no. same thing, like, yeah, 27 See, seems to be a turbulent year. this is what happens when you, when you don't spend your formative years in Ashland. I know. I know it was a turbulent year for me. I got married. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I had a, I was beginning to question the faith I was given growing up and... Um, Which was Baha'i? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Scientology? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was raised a Southern Baptist and... Um, 
just for me, I, I, the fact that I was given that growing up and I had never taken the time to really examine it or question it, and I mm -hmm. was finally starting to have some questions about it and um, questioning out whether or not I believed in God at all and uh, I had a friend to die and well, there was a lot, of, a lot going on that year. And um, so I thought, you know, though I thought back on that funeral, like, I, I felt like there was something missing in my life and I needed to find some kind of, I didn't really know what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. I just knew I was looking for, for something more than you know, working till five every day, coming home, sitting on the couch watching TV. There had to be more to life. There was something missing. Oh, so, so now that you've discovered that you're wrong, um, how does life feel? <laughs> <laughs> there, there is more to life. Yeah. There's, you just need to get your ass in the church. Yeah. Boy. <laughs> so, Quit reading uh, so many books. Yeah, reading is read bad one book you. <laughs> So I thought, you know, I'll, I'll look into that. I'll actually give it a go. And I was still under the impression for some reason that you had to be invited in to become a Mason. But I didn't realize, oh, no, you just go get a petition. You know, that's, a, that's yeah. actually kind of a funny, um, like, when you say that you were under the impression for some reason, like, almost everybody seems to be the, under that impression. Yeah, I don't is, know yeah. where it comes well, from. Well, because my father-in-law is a Mason, I thought, oh, he must not like me. He's never... He's yeah. never invited me. He's never, I, I didn't realize, oh no, I have to be the one to ask. So just in random conversation with um, one of my really good friends, Brian Westmoreland, I said, you know, I'm looking at uh, becoming a Mason. He said, funny story. I haven't told anybody because I thought that you'd be weirded out, but I actually became a Mason a few months ago. Wow. Good work, Brian. No kidding. He said, <laughs> he said yeah. I'm, I said, I was thinking about petitioning this lodge here in Oklahoma City. He goes, well, you and can do that, but... Um, I've joined this one in Edmond. If you'd like to come up there, like, come check it out. Like, come visit us for dinner one night before lodge and see what you think about the guys. And also, um, another funny story about Brian. Him and his wife lived in Portland, Oregon for a while yeah. in the Pacific Northwest. They did. She's from Portland, correct? Yeah. Somewhere oh. no, somewhere in Southern Oregon. Okay. okay. Oh, really? Do I know her? Maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> we need to get him out here. Yeah. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Brian, if you're listening to this. He's not. You're next. You're next. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I went to dinner a couple times, and I felt like this was something I really wanted to pursue. So I asked for a petition and um, was uh, initiated in the uh, it was like a Saturday group initiation where they not group like they did like five inter apprentice degrees in one day, and uh, like all this thing. Is pretty life changing, pretty profound, and um, learned my lecture questions and answers that week. Mm -hmm. Turned in the following week, fellow craft. So basically, within a month, um, they got dispensation or a lot what's called allowance from the Grand Lodge to let me advance because I think you normally have to wait a month or three months between. Anyway, yeah, so. I did it all in a month. Went through went through really fast. Yeah. Without a oh, yeah, resort. In Oregon, we don't really have a rule like that, but you know, every grand lot is different. Yeah. So I was just <clears throat> it was really impactful, and I, I was just really loving it, and mm -hmm. so uh, I blew through it. And then two months later, I joined the Scottish Rite. So it was a pretty transformative year. Mm -hmm. It was broken down considerably, especially by the end of the uh, the first Scottish Rite reunion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it was a weird coincidence that, because Edmund Lodge was uh, full of mostly um, older guys, yeah. really good, really great older guys, but there was no, there were no men from the baby boomer generation, it was just them, and then a group of all of us, right, almost 
I think the exact same age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We came in the same year. We didn't know each other. It was it was really odd. It was odd. Hmm. It was odd, but it was perfect. Yeah. I had a, I had a similar experience in Ashland Lodge though. Uh, we when I joined, there was um, there was nobody my age who was in the lodge, or if there if there had been, they were gone or weren't coming to meetings. And then um, you know, during the few years that followed, there were there was kind of a string of guys who were who were younger who, who started joining. Um, I don't know that very many of them stuck around, uh, but we did eventually. So like we did eventually get like a study group started. Um, uh, probably my favorite early Mason story is that in the year two thousand. Two thousand one. Can you guys think about two thousand one? <laughs> in two thousand one or two thousand two, um, I uh, learned that Jay Kinney was a Freemason, um, and he had become a Freemason the year before I did. Uh, for those of you who are listening at home or in your car, or perhaps on some public transportation, or in the future, and you're listening from the Hyperloop. Oh yeah, the Hyperloop. I forgot about that thing. <laughs> uh, Jay Kinney. Um, what had he written at the time? He'd written a book with Richard Smolley called, um, I want to say it was called Inner Wisdom, but it might have been the earlier one that was like Wisdom of the West. Or it, Anyhow, the, the, the thing is, like, Jay Kinney and Richard Smolley together. No, 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 yeah, because uh, I actually just got that book. It's, uh, yeah, but they'd worked on uh, Gnosis Magazine, which was this incredible magazine. The Western Mysteries. The Western Mysteries, That's yeah. what the book was called. Hidden Wisdom, A Guide to the Western Inner Traditions by Richard Smoley yeah. and Jay Kinney. Yes, so these two dudes... Which, by the way, I've been a terrible book club member on that. <laughs> I have as well. What book club? Oh, it's... Uh, um, what is this? There's a book club? <laughs> no, a, a, small, a group of us. Oh, okay. Our guys from Oklahoma. Um Put that together it's it's a what's the uh it's like a it's an app that pulls all your book stuff together um we should have like a whole podcast episode about that perhaps yeah anyway like the, basically it's like a it's an app where you you put all your books together that you're reading or and you, uh-huh. can, and you can have like a little sub it's kind of like a subreddit where you have a book club to oh. talk about the different chapters and stuff i didn't even know that this existed yeah it's but it's Maybe we should make one that's tied to our podcast, and you could just never do anything with it. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what's going to happen. <laughs> For those but, of you listening at because, home, because Joey just learned how to read. <laughs> <laughs> a good friend of mine once said, Joey ain't much for book learning. He's <laughs> great at ketchup sandwiches, though. But he didn't know what he was talking about, because I read more than he does. Yeah, so, so anyhow, um, Jay Kinney, uh, along with Richard Smully... Um, they published this magazine called Gnosis from 1985 to 1999. Uh, and it was great. It was all about um, uh, Western uh, esoteric traditions and spiritual traditions and stuff like this amazing magazine. And I'd, I'd read a few issues of it. Uh, and then somehow, maybe through like an online article or something like that, I learned that uh, Jay Kinney was a Freemason. So I got a hold of him and I said, and I, by email, back in the old days, it was uh, it was not delivered over UUCP, but actual, like, real email. Huh. You just, you don't, you don't. I, I, no. Oh, okay, well. No idea. <laughs> um, but, uh, and I asked him if he'd like to come up to our, to Ashland Lodge and speak. 
And he wrote back, he's like, yeah, I've never done any speaking before. I've never done public speaking. I don't know what, you know, yeah, what do you want me to talk about? And so we, I don't remember exactly how many emails we exchanged, but he came up, and I still remember this topic. The topic was, um, is Freemasonry afraid of its own shadow? Uh, which I believe he eventually turned into a great article which was published either in Philolathes or Ahiman or something of that nature, which was about a lot of the stuff we've just been talking about, about how Freemasonry sort of refuses to look at um, uh, the esoteric and inner traditions of the West that it is not only influenced but also spawned. You know, like, Freemasonry itself may not be super occult and super... Um, like dark and mysterious and filled with ancient magical secrets but the number of groups and traditions mm -hmm. that have spun off of it that are is kind of staggering and and i don't know kind of uncountable even um so his talk was about that he came up he donated a full set of gnosis magazine to ashland lodge which is still in their library locked up in case you're getting any ideas out there <laughs> on the internet um and uh, and it was just, it was such an awesome experience. Like Jay Kinney, Jay and his wife uh, Dixie came up and hung out with um, my wife and I in in Ashland, and and then um, he did the lecture. It was well received. It was pretty awesome. It, and uh, that might have yeah, that must have been two thousand one. It got it must have been I don't know a long time ago. Um, and a land far far away. I do not remember how I started that story. How, how about how about them Seahawks? Oh man, <laughs> the last time I looked, they were up three to zero over the Dolphins. <laughs> and that Seahawks game, along with with Matt's homework, is why we're not uh, recording from Valhall Brewing, isn't it? Yeah, that's what we we're gonna do. We we're gonna take the ferry back across the Sound and post up at Valhall and do the podcast there. It's all right. We got the rest of our lives. <laughs> the bottom of this beer is super yeasty. Yeah, this is kind of, this is a cool this is a cool thing for us to do because not only we're we like you know reaching out to people we know and people we don't know, but kind of rehashing and getting the story out mm -hmm. out of us is probably a great a great thing to do. Yeah, because you because you don't really think about this stuff. You're just like yeah moving on with life and working and, and part of it too. I think for me and you in particular. Um, where we came from, I don't think we would have, if we were still living where we live, I don't think we'd feel quite as comfortable having these conversations publicly. No, definitely not. Publicly. Definitely not. But uh, we feel like we're in a different space now. And I mean, I still feel... to have these conversations. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting thing, you know, like... A, there's still some hesitation. Yeah, and, and there's this experience, especially like in the, uh, I think Wiccans call it coming out of the broom closet, you know, where you sort <laughs> yeah. of like reveal to the world, hey, I read tarot cards and summon demons and I talked to a god the other day and it was super groovy. We had tea. Um, uh, you know, there's this, uh, there's a sort of, uh, it's hard to do. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, when I lived in Southern Oregon, I hated for people to find out that I was a practitioner of the occult. Like it was, and I'm sure they could tell. I mean, I was super weird, I think. <laughs> um, but it was it was always a really uncomfortable thing to talk about. Like, you know, you never know how people are going to take it. You never know how people are going to look at it. I mean, you've got this problem where on both, on, on like every side, n nobody's going to take you very seriously. Mm -hmm. Like the Christians are going to think you're studying Satan. The atheists are going to think that you're like twice as wacky as the Christians. <laughs> and then... Um, 
Uh, I'm sure there's a third category, but not in Southern Oregon. Uh, but it's it's you know it's it's difficult. Like you don't really want that stuff to get out, and uh, like moving to Portland changed that so much. Like oh, it, yeah, moving absolutely. to Portland was like land I mean, of the free. There is no way to be the weirdest person in the room in Portland. <laughs> no, I, I'm sure there's some people out there are doing it just fine. But like for me, like it was just like oh yeah, I'm super relaxed about this. That's that's what's amazing. I've had some conversations with random people there, and it's just like you mm-hmm. can say whatever. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. They're just yeah. Not that we want to encourage anybody to move there because the real estate market's fucked up. Rental prices are going up. The weird people are leaving. So I, I don't same, know what's gonna. It's same not, with Washington. Yeah. Just move, just move to California. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> move to California. Yeah. Southern California. <laughs> uh, this but, place uh, is. It's like living in hell. Terrible views. Uh, <laughs> Actually, perhaps what we should in- instead encourage people to do is like stay where you are, be open-minded, and encourage people around you to be open-minded. And um, well, you know, like, like and if a couple of you have to get burned at the stake in order to make you know <laughs> Podunk, Wisconsin, a little bit more open-minded, then that's just how it's going to have to be. Well, Matt, Matt and I were talking about this earlier on the ride ride back, just enjoying the views and everything, but. Uh, mm-hmm. I left Edmond, Oklahoma, just as some really cool things were mm-hmm. happening, and Oklahoma City, mean, some cool things. You're talking were about happening. fracking? No, tail end of fracking. Uh huh. Fracking kind of like built up this paper plastic economy. Mm-hmm. People have made a lot of money, mm-hmm. but that's, I mean, a lot of that's crumbled. The market's down, and it seems like, at least from a distance, it seems like, um, it seems like there are a lot of grassroots. Roots things going on. There's a lot of arts mm-hmm. cropping up, happening. some filmmaking going on, people opening up their own restaurants, and you know, now that the the alcohol laws have changed, I don't know. I just really think, I think it's just going to transform the land. Mm-hmm. Just uh, more of a focus on the on the local craft scene rather than bringing in chilies, and, and they're still going to be that. But. Do you think? Um, <clears throat> We, I left Edmund just as it was starting to get a little bit. Yeah. Do you think that there's a connection between uh, us leaving and it getting better there? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, probably. We were so ju- we were so, so judgmental over there. It was actually yeah. putting a damper. On the no, I was going to say. Do you think that there's a connection between lo- uh, focusing on what um, on sort of like the skillfulness and 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 resourcefulness of the locals? And, uh, and the open-mindedness of people? Like, are people more willing to accept folks for being who they are if they know that, for instance, you know, you can make awesome beer or you can, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. weave a basket underwater or you can, like, you know, can your own tomatoes or whatever. They're more for likely sure. to be like, oh, yeah, they do a little bit of witchy stuff on the side. That's cool. Yeah. We don't care that they don't come to church. Their their canned tomatoes are fucking incredible. Yeah, it's a little little weird, but he makes the best canned tomatoes. (laughs) I mean, do you think that that's the case? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, but you know, uh, it was easier for me being weird in Oklahoma as a brewer Mm -hmm. than it would have been if I wasn't a brewer. You really came out of your shell as a brewer. Mm. Do you call that him coming out of his shell? He was was moving. He was so grumpy. He didn't no, come out of his shell until he yeah. got out of Oklahoma. You came out of your shell in an indirect way with your artwork and with... I think mm. because I, I had to, because I always had to be on when I had the brewery, um, doing events, being on TV. And, I guess you came out of your shell with me, though. Yeah. Or just the people you're close to. Oh, yeah. do you guys need a moment alone? No. 
<laughs> yes. Okay. I actually, I'm going to give you a moment alone. I'll be, I'll be back. Just, just us and the, and the recording device. <laughs> I think the, the coming out of the shell was mostly moving up here. It sure helps. Definitely. Never, never discount the, the impact that geography and climate and, and uh, a place can have on your happiness. Not just like the lack of that social response. Because, you know, you're, you're there, you've got friends and family that have a, you know, there's, there's the cultural stuff that goes on wherever you're from. And when you, when you move away from it, you don't have to really, you don't have to worry about conforming to any, any yeah. kind of norms that I mean, the, the, you just want to be polite. You don't want to. Well, and there is the, yeah. And there's the reality that things are far more liberal and, and for guys like us where that's more of our, that fits us more. It's easier for us to be us. Yeah. In that environment. That's not to say Oklahoma isn't bad. I mean, they're, everybody likes what they like and they want to live where they want to live. It just happens that the better place for us was here. Everybody's got their own spot. Yeah. I've had uh, a couple of friends that have come to visit from Oklahoma and they, you know, they're super content and happy living there. They're, they're great. They're just kind of the same way, not quite. Pretty much the same way we are. They're just uh, they love it there. Mm-hmm. You know, you really strong family roots, and and you it's where you've grown up, and you know, whether it's Oklahoma or Chicago or Florida or wherever, having those really strong family roots, just depending on kind of like I guess your family dynamic. I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know what the secret is because I've got I've got family members there too, and I I would like for some of them to come out, but it's not. I don't. Know, we, we didn't really grow up as Super close, I guess. Hmm. Hmm. Edit that out. <laughs> so, so this, yeah, we've been going for about an hour and a half, so we should probably wrap it up. But. Well, you don't say an hour and a half because you're going to edit it, and it's going to be shorter than that. <laughs> we've been talking for a while, and uh, we've <laughs> yeah. we've been discussing this uh, in uh, in secret languages uh, using hand signals and Morse code. <laughs> um, and have decided that it's about time to wrap up the podcast. So, you know, as we're, uh, as we're discussing, you know, all these topics, whether it's the Western, Western esoteric tradition or some of the Buddhist, you know, because we've all like experimented with lots of different things <clears throat> mm-hmm. as, as our audience has, you know, this is just, I guess this is just a podcast about our journey, you know? And maybe it won't even about be about that sometimes. Maybe sometimes it'll just be about beer. Maybe sometimes it'll be, I think we're just going to let this happen organically. And mm-hmm. yeah. we've introduced ourselves and just a, kind of what we're into. And we'll let it go where it goes. And I don't even, it it's not always going to be all of us. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it may just be Eric. Sometimes it may yeah. be 18 of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we will have guests. Lots of guests. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're just going to let it grow like a plant. Mm-hmm, but probably like, like a green plant that changes your mind. Yes, it's going to be like <laughs> a verdant I mean. gnosis. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, perhaps maybe the, our next episode will be uh, Matt giving us a uh, book review of the verdant gnosis, or or at least figuring out what it's about. Yeah, is that a is that a is that a is that a keyhole in some cleavage? I believe it is. With some snakes? No, that's, that's, a, that's what made me want to buy it. That's, I, a, that's, <laughs> e- that's either an upside down keyhole or a penis. Mm. And on that note. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for listening to this first episode of My Upcoming Romance. There we go. Peace out. Stay awesome. Internet. <laughs>